As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hi, so it's Monty here for this episode of On Farm. Quite a serious one today. We're going to be chatting with sheep farmers in the borders about scab, sheep scab. We are opening up about it because that's the important thing. I'm really grateful for Michael and Callum for for coming on with this episode to talk about their experience of dealing with a sheep scab outbreak. And I hope that that others listening to this will take heed and realise that, like a lot of things in life, it's good to talk and making sure neighbours are informed, etc., will help to control this. We're going to be chatting later in this episode with two experts, as it were, from the Morden um, about sheep scab. But for now, I'm going to introduce you, by first names only, to Michael and Callum. Good morning, morning, Monty. Morning. So, Michael, just give us a little bit of background of what we're doing here, the setup, etc. We've found a very simple way for you know, decades in this part of the, the borders. We have uh, a herd of about a thousand ewes, and they are all homebred. We have never brought any sheep onto the hill, apart from tups when that's, that's been necessary. So we're pretty much a closed stock. We've never had any outbreak of scab in, in the past. And I suppose what's happened in the last five or six months or so is pretty serious for us, quite a stressful situation. Back in November, was it Callum? You found yourselves with, with sheep scab. Uh, yeah, well, I'd basically just started the job two weeks. Everything was going smoothly. Tups are out tupping. Yows are fit, considering the dry summer we had. And a tup was kind of losing fettle. We kind of thought, oh, there's something not right here, so we got them in. We thought, to start with, oh, it's maybe dermatitis, because you, you couldn't see it to start with. But, so we contacted the vet, our own vet. Um, they came out. They were 80% sure that it was dermatitis. But there was that always in the back of my mind. I'd never, ever seen scab before. The man prior to me, I'd never seen it in 40, 50 years. When you say that the tap just wasn't looking right and you thought it was dermatitis, what, what did you see? It's renowned for them to turn and try and bite and things like that, try, trying to get to their, their legs up onto their sides. To be honest, I did not see a lot of that. But the biggest thing was his fetal drop. Yes, you do get tups that just drop dramatically. So got him in, and as he looked into the wool, that's where he started to see scabby bits, like yeah. kind of abrasions, kind of mean yeah. things like that, yeah. cuts. As a shepherd, as a he cares for them like your rain, like it was a massive thing. It went through my head all the time. I mean, it was a, a really stressful time in my career. Like my main instruction to Callum was, we need to play this by the book. Before we even get a formal notification here, I says we should be talking to the next door neighbours just to tell them what's going on. Next door neighbours were pretty grateful, I think, to almost a man. They were appreciated what was going on. 
and then it was just a case of me saying to Callum, just you know, once that confirmation's in, let's continue to chase the the vet and make sure that we've absolutely done everything by the book. We put ourselves in the, the hands of the the government basically to follow the process. That was really important to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. In this podcast, you don't want to talk about where that cup came from, but it was a botting animal, and then that was introduced to your your sheep. First of all, we quarantined the taps. There yep. was two two taps of all. We quarantined them. We were quarantined for about three weeks. They were actually in the shed, and what we're in at the moment, where every bit of work normally gets done through here, mm-hmm. we had to then change the way we were doing it, so we could then stick to the rules. Yep. I mean, it was a case of it was a lot harder for us. We've got mobile pens, but this time of year, mobile pens out in the fields. What a mess you get into. Yeah. But yeah. that's just what we had to do. And I, and I think as well, we had a hundred and we were 150 lambs ready to go to the market. Mm-hmm. From a cash flow perspective, this is cash we're expecting. December, January, you know, helps us get us through the winter with the feed costs, etc., yep. etc. And we're we're still lying out a substantial amount of money because we can't get our, uh, our 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 animals to market. To start with, we were. Uh, I got the phone call. Was uh, off uh, one of the APHA vets, and she said, "Well, look, I would advise to jag with Sidec in two percent." And I says, "The whole, f- the whole farm, or just the been in contact with the, the top, or I would advise to do the whole farm." Which was, I was, to be honest, I wasn't that bothered because I'd rather just hit the nail on the head. So that was it. That following that following week, we put some big days in jagging the whole farm I mean it was four days or five days and I had the whole farm jagged so all the owls were jagged with dec- uh, side decting 2% uh, tap lambs were jagged with deck to max because I potentially wanted them away a lot quicker they said well that's fine you can do that that's fine so I wanted to get rid of those lambs there and then because we didn't we had a field of uh, for the rape dry summer didn't come very well so we didn't really have the, the, the forage for them. Yeah. It was a case of we had to ask the Ministry of it, what can we do with them? Can we sell these direct to the abattoir? And she said, yes, you can do that, but you have to get your own lorry. I says, well, how does that work? I says, surely I could be a last pickup. Mm-hmm. To me, that didn't make any sense. No, 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 you'll have to get your own lorry for 130 lambs to go to Wales. And the thing is as well, I mean, the abattoirs have got the, they know what they're doing after that. They could say, oh, why do you need to get rid of these lambs? Oh, we've got scab. Then the ball's in their court, they can offer whatever they want. But just being clear, you weren't trying to offload something that wasn't right. These lambs had never been in contact with that tap. They were never presenting any signs of scab. You just to make life easier rather than have them stuck. Came down to a business decision, yes. you know, and, yeah. and, you know, the cost of taking a quarter full lorry down to the North Wales, you're then left with the, the worry that you would have about somebody taking advantage of that situation yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we took the business decision, right, well, it's 12 weeks or whatever, you know, however many weeks it was, we'll just hold on, we'll have this done and dusted by the middle of uh, January, but unfortunately it wasn't the end yet. It's difficult in an upland situation like this to carry my through over winter. Fortunately, our neighbours here are, are really quite helpful, and we've got the we've got lambs farmed out to various bits and pieces of fields round about here, but they've had to accommodate us. Yeah. You know, so it's been really a case of us putting a few favours. 
it's not our job to witch hunt people that give you advice and, and, and please don't take it like this anyone but the point is you were told one thing and you did exactly what you were told to do but actually best practice said that you should dip tell us where it went after four days of jagging and your your kind of feelings after that and what the next steps were I think it was always at the back of my mind that was, has this got to disappear? My concern was as well, because we'd already jagged beside it in 2%, which I haven't actually said, pre-tupping, my concern was there was more and more cases of resistance to these jags and these, and that was always running at the back of my mind. You hear more and more about them, but it's, oh, you think to yourself, oh, yes, hopefully it isn't it, but... I think that's what helped our youth to start with because we were already jagged with Sidectin 2%. We didn't get a massive influx of the scab to start with. It was only in the top, and that was the only thing that had it. Then we got to Christmas time. It was Christmas Eve. One of the boys I worked with, me and him, were having a look through the tops, and there was one starting to try and bite itself. We knew what it was. But to make sure, we went through the protocol again. We got the vet out. She scraped, tested again. Yes, it's came back positive for scab. I'll notify the APHA. So I was told that they would phone me on Boxing Day. I went down to Harbro. I got deck to max. Cause I hadn't jagged in with deck to max. I just wanted to hit the nail on the head. I couldn't. I didn't really want to wait and advice. I wanted to get it done. So I jagged them but I never ever heard from APHA. I was meant to get a phone call straight away and we're three months down the line. All I got was a, a bit of paper that you're meant to fill out and send it back. And then end of January, start of February, I, where the tup had been, we then seen two yows starting to scratch. We actually scanned the yows and that's where I started to see them. And it was a case of, this is still no gone. When's this got to end? Again, contact the vet, everyone else, and I just said, right, I'm dipping, that's it. I'm not jagging again. And that's what the advice was through the phone from the vet was to jag again. I says, I'm not doing it. I says, I'll take a loss on lambs this year. I just want this problem gone. So we phoned a mobile dipper in, so they came in dipped everything on the farm, which is another expense. But it was, to, to be honest, that should have been done to start with, but there was no, there was no help whatsoever. Like. We are now hearing that best practice is to dip. Now, I'm, I'm absolutely not criticising the professionals because whether it's lack of understanding, lack of knowledge of the process, or just lack of resources, the end result is that we are still trying to tidy up a, a mess which should have been we, should, we felt we should have been helped through this process much, much better. Like anything in farming, a lot of the learning actually ends up happening at the time. You guys had never seen anything like this. You can't say to you, why didn't you just dip? You can't, you know, or why didn't you just know what to do? Because how could you? You didn't, you'd never seen this. You went and you got advice and you were told to jag. I mean, just to summarise what you've said, both of you, it's kept rolling on now for five months. You know, we're now at the stage where the, as I said before, if we put these, if we put these to the processor and the, the weight that they are, they would start taking money off us. Yeah. You know, so we've now got another problem because we need to find our, an exit route for, for lambs, and that's out, out of spec lambs. Basically. Out of spec lambs, and that's that's probably going to be we just have to you know take the the luck of the draw at the marketplace.
it's a it's a typical farming problem, but it's one that we just we feel that uh, you know somehow with this experience, and this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this is just to try and raise the awareness of the the stress and the the hassle that it's caused a you know a relatively small hill farm such as ourselves. I mean, I'm a sheep farmer myself, as listeners will know, but I can't really imagine that the stress of it. You've dipped. And has it gone? Yeah, there's no no more signs that I can see anyway. I mean, to be honest, again, it was my gut feeling at the start. I've said that already, but you always think you should be going with the professionals and they should be helping you. And, and there must be some disconnect when we're hearing now from the you know, you know other professionals is that dipping is best practice. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's, it's simple, you know. I don't understand why we've had to go through a, prot- a protracted issue such as this when you know we could have this all done and dusted in by the back end of Christmas. The guys we're going to speak to are in no way responsible for any of these situations that you've found yourself in. In fact, I'm going to introduce them in a minute or two, and one of them certainly, I think, is a bit of a hero in terms of sheep scab because he's the man that's trying to find the route out of this in terms of even a possible vaccine. But just before we do that, just to put this in perspective for other farmers listening, I'm so grateful that you guys have come on and... What is your message to, not so much just on the practice of dipping and jagging, whatever, but what is your message to others? I would say, I would still say, don't be scared of the fact that there's a, an issue here and deal with it the right way. We've been perfectly open here, and if somebody picks the phone up and, and, and speaks to us in the future, how did you deal with this, the, with this situation? We would be perfectly happy to say, this is where you challenge, this is what you do, this is what we found was best practice. These are the people we've spoken to. Perhaps we should have been a wee bit stronger and pushed back on the on the advice that we were given. But we were not informed at that particular point yeah. in time. But you're, you're allowed to be. You know, I think sometimes we all we all wonder about thinking, you know, in farming terms, oh, well, we'll do, deal with this, we'll know what to do and stuff. But you don't know every answer to everything. So you can't until you face it. Is it fair to say, though, Callum, you know, keep talking about it? I, I know that one of the things that you did as soon as you knew about this was, was speak to your neighbours. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's massive that you speak to your neighbours and just keep them in the loop. I mean, it's... I can understand why they don't because of the process we've had to go through, but is that, that's wrong. It shouldn't be a case that farmers have to keep things quiet because it's, it's how much effect it has on your business. I mean, it's we're, we're still five months down the line and we're still dealing with this. I mean, we're still hunting on these lambs at the moment. If we didn't get the all clear in the next week or two, we're still going to be holding on to these lambs and we, didn't, we shouldn't be having, having to. You know, we'll draw a line under it. If we take a loss, we take a loss. You know, that's business. But we just un- need to understand what the next steps are for us just to end it. I'll wrap things on that. With, with Michael and Callum for a second because I, I think there's two interesting things come out of that. We've looked at how a scab outbreak is dealt with or, or even not dealt with. Also, very interesting what Michael's saying there about the, the business implications and the cash flow implications of, of getting those decisions wrong. So we've got two experts here. One of them's been on the pod a few times, actually, wearing different hats. I'm Scott Brown. I'm a regional advisor from Morden and the chairman of the South of Scotland um, board. I also work for a veterinary pharmacy based in Dumfries. Stu Burgess, I'm a scientist 
at the Mordon Research Institute just outside of Edinburgh. Great to have you here with us. Just for a bit of context, without giving the sheep farmers, as it were, nightmares, Stu, what is the situation at the moment with sheep scab in Scotland? Scab is very seasonal. We tend to see it starting around October time and then it peaks around March. But at the moment we are seeing quite a lot of scab. We're getting a lot of calls about scab and that's across Scotland. It's a sad thing to admit to, Monty, but I've never seen as much scab as we've got in the country at the moment. And I can confirm that countrywide. We had our quarterly Morden Regional Chairs meeting at Morden last week and there was uh, 10 of us there and every one to a man said that scab was at the top of their agenda in terms of disease surveillance. I think it's a multifaceted issue we've got. I think there's environmental factors driving it, economical factors driving it, and people who've been ill-advised on how to deal with it as well. There are barriers being put in our way. Your annual dipping uh, disposal uh, licence is just under just over £300, and in the last 12 months has been changed to £3,000. These kind of things being put in place is a barrier for people to use dip. It reduces then the, the tools we've got, which are very limited in their toolbox anyway, to deal with scab. And then on an economic one, people who are tenant farmers want to expand their business or people want to get started in tenancies. It's very difficult now. There's lots of things going on which are influencing landlords uh, renting out their farms to people. So we're now finding people contract farming arrangements where they're looking after five years ago that uh, was five or six hundred ewes per shepherd. Now people who are in contract farming arrangements to make it pay, they have to look after thousands of ewes to make it work. If you're one man operation looking after two and a half, three thousand ewes, there's no way you're actually going to be able to give the duty of care to your stock that you require to give. And because of those, because of those constraints, or because of those implications, um, we're now getting people missing that ewe that's dragging along behind or she's tucked away in a, in a corner somewhere because she's not well that you would normally pick up if you saw them twice a day uh, and you'd be on top of it really quickly. Now, I'm not in any way criticising the stocks when the women we've got in the country because we are so gifted with the people we have got looking after stock in the country. And I can tell you now that anybody who looks after stock, like Callum, like Michael, they make it, it's a way of life, not just a job. And they take so much pride in their work and looking after their livestock. These guys aren't going to want to have sheep with scab running actively for weeks on end without being seen and not informing their neighbours. Just by the very nature of big numbers, one person, you do miss them. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's almost it's physically impossible to look after that number of sheep, really, and, and be all over it. So, Stu, you know, Scott's talking about why we might have more sheep scab out there and he's talking about being aware of more sheep scab out there we heard earlier from from michael and callum in the part of the borders where traditionally there hasn't been sheep scab can we go right back to the sort of basics and talk about what we should be looking out for and, and what to be aware of yes i think i think it's important to go back to what causes sheep scab so it's a, a, a microscopic mite and that basically is, is the sheep scab mite it infests at the skin level down at the base of the fleece. And what it does is it just abrades the skin. It doesn't feed on blood or anything like that. It just abrades the skin and it deposits allergens. So it, partly the disease is an allergic disease. And what happens is that then the sheep responds to the presence of those, of those allergens and the rubbing, the, the little itching that the mite causes. And that causes an inflammatory reaction. And it's that inflammation that then leads to the formation of the scabs. As that inflammation, that exudate that gets formed, 
dries, causing the scabs. And, and what that helps the mites to establish, and then at that point, the mite population starts to grow. And as it grows, they move out further into the fleece and those lesions then expand. And it's only later on, as those lesions get to a certain size, that you will start to see the clinical signs of scab, the itching, the scratching, the wool loss, wool plugs in the, in the teeth. These are the signs that you'll see much later on. But a lot of scab gets moved about quite innocently at that subclinical phase where people genuinely don't know that their animals are infested. And so those sheep get moved around the country and that's how scab increases in, in prevalence. And that's probably what we're starting to see. Um, certainly this year, we're seeing a lot, of, a lot of sheep scab around. Just for the listeners, we're standing in a, in a tin sheep shed at the moment and it is pouring rain outside. So you might can hear that on the roof battering down. And we're also in waterproof, so that might be what the rustling is. We're not actually itching, don't worry about that. So Stu, there's a lot of it maybe missed, because as you say, it's subclinical. You can't actually see sheep scab until it's quite far established. Is that, is that fair to say? It's quite far established before you can maybe actually pick up on the sheep that are itching or wool in the teeth or whatever. Yeah, it's really important, I think, Monty, to understand how long a scab infestation can take before it becomes obvious. It could be weeks, it could even be months. Quite often when we see scab, we're not thinking of something that happened back three or four months ago. We're thinking, well, what have I done in the last couple of weeks that then that's caused this to get in? So it's important we understand how the disease spreads and how that lag period can extend out. So if we can't see it, and if there's such a lag time between it potentially getting into a flock and then being able to see it, signs of it, symptoms of it, what can we do? So part of what Mordun's research has been doing has been trying to, I know you mentioned about the vaccine and that's probably something for another day because that's still a few years away. But that I think is, gives us a more sustainable long-term means of controlling scab. In the short term, we've developed a blood test and, and that blood test is really important because it can pick it up way before we see the clinical signs. It detects an antibody, much like a, your COVID test would, would, would do. It's picking up an antibody to um, a protein that's in the sheep scab mites fecal pellets that so it deposits onto the skin. Is that so that SH1T for those of us that... It is, <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. So the, um, the sheep develop an antibody against that, and it's very specific for sheep scab mite. It doesn't cross-react with lice, so we can easily tell the difference between lice and sheep scab using that test. But those animals will generate that antibody within about two weeks of being infested, and that's way, way faster than we would get using just the presence of clinical signs alone. And so now what we're trying to understand is, well, how do we use that test, you know, in the wider sort of um, industry environment? How do we apply that test? So you've, you've got that test out there for vets to use or, or for vets to send in um, blood samples to be analysed by that test? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a flock level test. So it's really important to understand that. So um, from each flock or management group, and when I say management group, I mean, if there's no mixing between them, then they should be treated as separate um, units for the blood test. You should sample 12 animals from each flock or group and your vet can do that. They can send the samples off to the lab. In Scotland, it goes to BioBest, um, which is based just outside of Edinburgh. They'll run the test for you, and they'll get the results back usually within about a week or so. And what that'll tell you is that the animals have been exposed to the sheep scab mite. Now, what it can't tell you is whether that's an active infestation or 
an infestation that was there and has been cleared probably through treatment. The antibody levels can persist in the blood, so they, they remain in the blood for three to six months after treatment. So then it's really important that you know that when you're dealing with a scab outbreak. So you have to take into account previous treatments, recent treatments. If, you're treat if your flock's been recently treated and you end up part of a, a larger scheme and you're doing the blood test, you need to know those facts so that you can interpret the blood test in the right way. The other important part is that if your flock had scab previously, but they've now got a second infestation of scab, we just need to know that previous history because otherwise we can misinterpret those blood test reports. Scott, you're seeing farmers, you're speaking to farmers. Is there an uptake on this, on the blood test? Or are we, is this part of the job of this podcast actually to make people more aware that there is a blood test out there now? There's probably limited knowledge on the availability of that. Within end of the wedge, in terms of its use and its viability, there's the potential for its massive especially given the amount of scab that's out there now. Given the, the issues we've got potentially with potentially with macrocyclic lactone resistance. Give me that in you know, shorter words, please. Well, potentially with injectable wormer resistance issues we're now seeing on farms. So what you're talking about is because a farmer might think, right, the first thing to reach for here is, and, and it's not about brand names, I'm not criticising any brand names, but a Dectamax or a Cydectin or whatever, the danger with that is, yes, you're using it at that stage to, to hopefully clear up scab, but what you're potentially doing is giving yourself a wormer resistance problem because that product is also a wormer. Is that that's what you're saying there? Absolutely, Monty. I mean, you're, you're using a wormer where perhaps you could be using a dip and saving the use of that wormer for another day. Industry guidance is that injectables should be used once a year and not overused so to prolong the the use of that product and its efficacy on your farm for as long as possible. There's, there's no massive uh, factory churning out new products and new wormers and new injectables for us to use going forward. So we really have to preserve and, and uh, make use of the products we've got at our disposal as best we can. So back to the chat we had previously with Michael and Callum. They were told in the first instance that they ought to jag rather than to dip. Now, that was obviously not, not the best advice at all, Stuart. So best practice advice in most situations for dealing with an active scab outbreak would be wherever possible to use an organophosphate plunge dip. And part of the reason for that is because we are seeing more and more resistance now to the injectables in sheep scab mites. So this is aside from the, the wormer resistance, this is the mites themselves becoming resistant to those injectable chemicals. I might fall over with nightmares about this. So not only are you telling us, you're telling our listeners that, that scab is something to be worried about and it's on the increase and we, you know, and, and you are coming on to how we deal with it. But now you're also saying that not only is it a problem at the moment, but it's potentially going to be more of a problem because there's going to be resistance to the, some of the treatments we've got. Yeah, so about five years ago now, we, we published um, on the first cases of resistance in scab mites to the injectables and and that was around the english welsh border regions and and initially that was just to uh cydectin but what we're seeing now is that actually that resistance is to all of the injectables so you're talking to dectamax ivermectin based chemicals as well and what that means in practice is that you will treat the animals using an injectable but if you've got resistant mites there it'll just knock it back because the few, anim the few mites that are resistant are the ones that will survive 
and then replicate on the animal. And it's those then resistant mites that will then go on to get passed on to, to, the, to the rest of the flock or to, to neighboring flocks. So give us this in short sentences, blood test, so that you know you're dealing with scab. And then treat the scab. And how do we treat it? Tell us what to do. Blood test is, is really helpful because it can tell you what you're dealing with. And, and that's really important because if it's lice, then you're going, to treat, you're going to want to deal with this using probably a completely different drug. So that, that's your first step. Then you know that once you know that it's scab, the best practice advice would then be to use, if, if, if possible, and I appreciate there are issues when we get closer to lambing or post-lambing as well, then the best practice would be to use the organophosphate plunge dip. However, there are a lot of cases across the UK of organophosphate dip being used through um, showers and jetting systems. And first of all, it is not legal to administer them in that way. But secondly, it's also not efficacious. There's no evidence that shows that that actually works to treat the scab mites. And because I mentioned that the mites are down at the base of the fleece, the reality is without plunging animals in, to a plunge dip with OP, just by spraying or jetting on, it, the, the active will not get down and will not accumulate at the skin level. So not only will it not effectively treat it, it might not give you that protection that you would be expecting against reinfestation. And by not treating it, what, what you're likely to see is that most of the signs will go. The animals will look fine for then. But a, a few weeks, a few months down the line, when those few resistant mites start to propagate, that's when you'll start to see the signs coming back. And at that point, you're not thinking, well, the shower hasn't worked. You're thinking, well, maybe it was a tup that I brought in. And you've, there's that disconnect then. And the other reason for using a plunge dip, which is really important, is that the mites can reside in what we call cryptic sites. So they can, they can reside under the oxters, they can reside in the ear canals, and also around the eyes. And if you're not plunging them, and this is why we have to plunge the head under the water and dip them for a full minute, is to get the mites that are in all of those sites. Because if we don't, they'll survive there, and then after the, the dip has worn off, they'll then come back onto the, onto the fleece later down the line. And that's probably gonna be months down the line. Stu's going to get an on-farm badge for the first use of the word oxters on the podcast. I love that. Well done. But on a more serious note, Stu, with Callum and Michael listening, they've done the right thing then. They have plunge dipped and that's the right thing to do. Absolutely. They've dealt with it now in, in the best possible way. Most importantly is the fact that they've been communicating with their neighbours, though, and I think that's absolutely crucial because the problem, the pitfall... And that, they're brave enough to come on this podcast. You know, that's, that's, that's bloody important too, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But the, the problem with scab is that what we often do, because there's this stigma naturally about having scab, we don't necessarily work together when we're dealing with scab. We don't coordinate. And there's a great window of opportunity to coordinate when we're dealing with scab because the OP dips, if they're used by plunge application, will give you at least 60 days protection against reinfestation. So you've got that eight-week window in which neighbouring farms can then coordinate their, their, their treatments. And that's the only way that you really will get on top of, on top of sheep scab. So coordination is, is absolutely crucial. You know, the guys have done the right thing, you know, in terms of how they've, in terms of quarantining stock that's come in. They've done the right thing in terms of... Especially if I might bet in on that, you know, they don't, they don't buy stock in, they just buy a couple of tups. So they're such a, what's the word, you know, in terms of biosecurity, tick the box. 
Absolutely, and tops are a, are a risk for bringing scab onto the, onto the flock, um, without a doubt, because they're going to come in, they're going to go out and service the ewes, and they're going to be ex they're going to be exposed to a lot of animals. So it's really important that you prevent scab coming in with your tops. And the best way to do that is to quarantine them, which which the guys have done. They've quarantined for three weeks, which is which is really really good. The unfortunate part is that during that three week period, they haven't been able to see any obvious signs of, of scab. And that's probably because they were at an early phase of infestation and it just wasn't showing at that time. So best practice advice at this stage, having that blood test available would now be to, during that quarantine period, to blood test those animals when they come in. Ideally, what you would do is you would wait two weeks after they come onto farm before you do the blood test. And the reason for doing that is because it takes two weeks for those animals to show up on the blood test. So if they picked it up in the lorry on the way to the farm or at the top sale, you have to give them a chance to, to generate those antibodies to become positive on the test. This is really, really important. And it's, the reason it's really, really important, not just because we're talking about something like scab, but also because it's kind of the first time I'm really hearing this, Stu, and I think it's maybe the first time for a lot of our listeners that, you know, the quarantine, brilliant, but actually we've now got a tool, the blood test, that we can use in that quarantine period and we should be using it right. That, I hope, this message gets out there. I'm going to come back to Stu in a second about this kind of collaborative approach that you mentioned and working together, because I know you've been working on the Western Isles and, and down in Wales and things like that. But from Scott's point of view, What's your advice to what people should be doing when they're buying in stock? Just if you go through the scops directive and what you have to do when you bring animals onto the farm, there's a lot of vets, uh, industry people involved have put those directions and guidelines in place for a reason, because it works. 21 days, uh, you're, you're looking to try and avoid bringing on resistant worms, scab, lice, and quarantines. Everybody should be doing quarantine. And let's not forget, there are no new products coming down the line. We have to salvage and make use of the tools we've got in the trade to use the best we can. So let's give our, our, uh, our stock a chance by, doing, by going through quarantine. Get your stock in early as well to give you that opportunity to do the quarantine. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if it's all last minute, the pressure's to not. For anyone that's not familiar, SCOPS. SCOPS is a, an abbreviated word for the Sustainable Control of Parasites in Sheep. And as I say, it's been put together by, by vets and industry-led individuals who've like-minded, collaborative um, thinking and, and information been put together for the greater good for people who are bringing and moving stock from farm to farm. Textbook, as a, as a buyer, if I put my farmer's hat on for a day, if you're buying a ramen, for example, as, as Michael and, and Callum have done, ask the questions from the people you're buying these tips from. It is possible that you can actually... Tailor your requirements for your quarantine with regards to... Because if the person has just done that ram with moxidectin or, or dectamax, dorimectin, prior to top sale, say at Kelso, for example, there is absolutely no sense in, in treating them again when you get them home. You know, allow them to go through the quarantine period. Two weeks in, get your blood test done with Stuart's uh, Pennside test. Takes a week to come back. That's your full 21 days allocated and, and taken care of. We follow the best practice in quarantine and we, we get some background information and how that stock has been treated and and just you know we, we we get some more knowledge about about what we're dealing with here or potentially dealing with and then lo and behold Stu the blood test comes back with the biggest fear it shows up positive for scab. So then at that point that's telling you that they've been exposed to the sheep scab mite. Ideally what you want to do is then treat you want to action on that 
Again, best practice is always going to be to use an OP dip when possible. But if you're just bringing in a handful of tups, then that might not be an option. And therefore, that is a good situation probably to look at using an injectable in that situation because it might not be physically possible or economically viable to, to dip in that, in that situation. So then what you would do is you would use the injectable. But of course, there what you're doing is you're using the right drug against the right disease because you know it's scab in that instance. So you're just using the right drug. You're not wasting that drug. Um, and as long as you're following best practice and making sure that every animal you're bringing in gets treated and that you're using a treatment that gives you protection against reinfestation, and if you're not, that you're moving them to clean pasture as well. So they're not just going to get reinfested from other infected animals uh, on the farm. Again, from a podcast point of view, we're trying to encourage people to keep talking. So, you know, what is the message after that? Should you then just, you pick up the phone and you tell the person that that tup came from, you tell the seller. I think it's important to feed back that information because ideally, if those animals were clinically affected at sale, then, you know, that's really important information because then we want to know where else those animals have gone. But if it's just that it's subclinical and it's been picked up on your farm, the seller may have been, you know, none the wiser about it. So that's really important information to go back to them so that they're able to deal with it. So that communication works, works two ways and it benefits everybody. I'm just going to keep underlining this, that the whole thing to me seems to be about talking and openness. And, and again, so grateful for Callum and Michael for, for talking about it. But we all have a duty, I guess, to be a bit more open with our neighbours and with everyone else that we're dealing with. Sellers of stock, buyers of stock, all the people that might be in the chain along that chain of dealers and markets and whatever. When you've got an issue like this on a farm... Goodness me, the mental health nightmare of it must be strong too. Scott, you're out and about. Would you back that up? This is a mental health issue as much as it is a stock health issue. Absolutely, Monty. It's not just, I mean, we were, we're standing here talking about the implications for the sheep. We stood and listened to uh, Mike and Callum talking about their experiences of dealing with scab and quite a tough listener, if I'm honest. You can see Callum definitely getting stressed out as he was talking about, his, about going through what he's had to deal with. One thing we've also mentioned in the past ourselves, Monty, in previous projects we've done is just how much of a sense of community we have in the agricultural industry. I mean, people are very good at backing each other up and, and supporting each other. It's funny, when it comes to cheap scab, people are very withdrawn. They don't want to come out and talk about it. They don't want to mention it. These guys, commendable. I mean, they've, they've, they've been an open textbook from the start, spoken to neighbours, collaborative treatment going forward, making sure everybody's on board. Some of the people that, that I've, I've come across recently, whereby the neighbours are actually carrying the cost of the person who's responsible for the scab outbreak in the middle, and the guy in the centre of this, of this whole scab in one particular area is not doing much about it. We as an industry, as farmers, can all do so much better than we're doing. And it, it's not a shameful thing, as Stuart said at the start. There's nothing to be, to be ashamed, ashamed about if you've got scab in your flock. Put your hand up, deal with it and let everybody know in your, in your immediate location that you've got it because out of some of the worst situations that can happen a collaborative response to the situation can bring people together and you get the best out of it. Stu, you've been involved in collaborative projects to try and bring people together to, to deal with this. Do you want to give us a bit more about that? 
Yeah, so, so Mordon at the moment, along with you know, a lot of other uh, very good uh, organisations, are, are running a, a series of control programmes across the UK. So, so we have a programme that we're running in Northern Ireland to, to try to understand the issue with SCAB over there and then work out how best to deal with that. Um, in England, we're running a programme, and I have to be really careful saying this because it's called For Flock's Sake, um, and that's around trying to deal with SCAB in a collaborative way um, on, on Lewis and Harris at the moment. We're also running a, a control programme out there. The main tool that's being used in all of those programmes is that blood test. So it's how do we apply that blood test to clusters of farms that either have contiguous boundaries, they share borders, or they may, for example, share common grazing. And common grazing is a big risk for scab because of the amount of mixing that, that goes on, um, on out, out, out on commons. So, so we're trying to bring farmers together where they've got a bit of an interest. And it's trying to then tap into that collective spirit using the blood test, working out where sheep scab is. I should point out that generally what we're working in, in these are, are hotspot areas. So the, there is high risk of scab in a lot of these, a lot of these areas, uh, particularly the areas in, in England. I High, high risk because it's prevalent or because of the you know the environment the conditions what what what, what makes it a high risk so it's, it's multifactorial so um, having common grazing increases your 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 risk of getting scab by nearly tenfold so that's a high risk straight away and then of course the other high risks are density of sheep populations and connectivity of farms so where you have a high density of of sheep populations so english welsh border regions down in uh, in devon and and cornwall as well and then up in in uh, northumbria cumbria uh, those parts of, uh, of England are all high risk because of the number of sheep and the connectivity. And then when we think about Scotland, connectivity is a huge risk on islands where crofting is used you know, as a predominant sort of farming system. So, so it's not that they have a lot of sheep scab. It's really important to, to mention that. It's not that there's a lot of sheep scab up there. But if it gets in, the nature of that crofting system where there's common grazing and there's lots of contiguous boundaries... Dealing with scab in that situation is really, really difficult. And that's why we're trying to offer the, um, help and assistance using the blood test to coordinate efforts, making sure then that when we do find scab, we're treating it with best practice. We're using the correct chemicals at the correct time and we're treating all of the animals, which is really, really important. So we've had a lot of um, a, a lot of interest in, in these programmes. We have uh, on the, the For Flock's Sake program we've got over 300 farmers uh, working collectively together um, in England on that we've uh, got to the point now I think where we've tested just under a hundred farms in Northern Ireland and they're all clinical cases and then in the Western Isles we recently tested a hundred farms across Lewis and Harris trying to identify where scab may then be a problem that we can then deal with. But the crucial part is that we don't just do the test and then leave them, it's that we also then come in with the solution. So we help them with treatments and we help to coordinate that treatments. And, and in a lot of these areas, they're not used to dipping. You know, there's a generation now that hasn't dipped. So dip tanks have, have, have gone to ruin and they don't have the experience of using an OP dip. So quite often what we've had to do is try and bring in contractors who are able to deal with a lot of the hassles of dipping. So they've got the infrastructure so they can do the dipping. Um, they know how to do it. They do best practice. They make sure that all of the animals get the right amount of dip 
um, and that they're getting their head, you know, the head plunged under during the dip and that they're in there for the full minute. But also at the end, they can deal with the disposal of that chemical in a, in a very kind of environmentally uh, sound way. And then the farmer doesn't have to worry about that aspect. They're getting their animals treated, but it's happening collectively. So everyone else around them is dipping at the same time or in close proximity. So it's, the disease doesn't then just spread from one farm gate to another. And that's where we've been in the past because people aren't doing it collectively. And they're held back, I guess, classically because of the stigma around the disease. And I think the main stigma comes from the welfare part of the disease because it is always thought of as a disease of, of poor welfare. There's no shame in having sheep scab. The shame is in not dealing with it, not informing your neighbours and not then working collectively to, to stamp it out. So just to, to sort of wrap things up, Stu, we've heard from Callum and Michael, they want peace of mind. They've dipped and all clinical signs of scab are, are gone, but they want peace of mind. Should they be doing a blood test? Yep, absolutely. So they could go in after lambing would be a good opportunity to do that a little bit later in the year when the antibody levels have, have gone right back down again to do a blood test. The reality is that they'll probably all come back negative at that point and then you can use the test to give them peace of mind that they're not then moving on animals that are, are affected by scab. Brilliant to, to hear from Stu and Scott and so great of Callum and Michael to, to give us their time and their story and, and I fully respect them for doing that. This episode of On Farm has been sponsored by Goldfleece, the manufacturers of the dip, which, as we're hearing, is the best practice and is scientifically proven to be the route to go down in terms of sheep scab but that's the treatment but one of the main take-homes that I hope that people get from listening to this is don't be afraid to talk about it don't be afraid to seek advice and most of all the blood test could be a key to this make sure you know what you're dealing with quarantine animals that come into the farm use the blood test and there's advice out there on the blood test there's advice from Morden there's advice on the Morden website how to contact Stu um, how to contact Scott and just don't be afraid of it and, and most of all do something about it if, if you think even suspect you've got scab do something about it so not the most cheeriest of on farms but with that that's it from me and bye for now there is a boilerplate with this episode gold fleece must be used responsibly in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions and all pertinent legislation. And we're very grateful to Gold Fleece for sponsoring this episode.